Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Holiday season, we're getting ready for the NFL playoffs, which inevitably keeps two-thirds of the teams wait till next year. But it focuses a business uh, which is continuing to be a classic juggernaut. Some warts, but basically juggernaut. And just like we did last week with basketball, to kind of go through some of the major issues of the NFL with the help of all-pro running back Curtis Martin in a minute. Amy Tenery, our all-pro, how are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Oh, good. The all-pro thing is 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 really important because uh, you know you are you've transcended. You're not just a Mets fan. You're now a you know an NFL fan. And 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 why not? By the way, because from my perspective, you know, you just look at some of the numbers. The NFL's franchise value now averages about two and a half billion dollars. The Cowboys at five franchise values over the last twenty years about twelve percent annually versus about four and a half percent of the S&P 500, maybe even less now. And when you think about it, revenues about half a billion dollars a team. The NFL sky is the limit. International thoughts, television, revenues, the gambling situation. And it is the classic appointment television. But what's your takeaway, Amy? Oh, I mean, I I completely agree with you. I think uh, the last couple of seasons, um, the storyline for the NFL has been pretty grim. Uh, Controversy, ratings were down, and you're absolutely right. This season has been um, just an absolute bonanza for them financially. Uh, Whether or not you're in the front office of a franchise or the league, it's been great for them. I think it's also been a great season for fans, if I'm being totally honest. I mean, obviously my Patriots are not um, quite as dominant as they have been in the past, but I'll, you know, I'll take nine and five. But you look at teams like the Bears that the last time they broke even was 2013. Um, they've since been really struggling. They were only three and 13 um, just two years ago. And now they look unstoppable, uh, 10 and four. Then you look at uh, the Chargers, for example, they had a fantastic run in the 2000s, um, but they've had a really rough few seasons. Obviously, their move to Los Angeles was not um, exactly smooth, but now they're 11 and three. So I think there's been a lot of turnaround uh, stories throughout the league, and it's just been fun to watch. Well, and and frankly, on field, off field, the uh, the highlight stories drive the NFL and drive the business aspects of it. And of course, you need superstars and and who better to be our interview uh, as we enter into the holiday season is Hall of Famer Curtis Martin. It's not just his 3,300 receiving yards and 14,000 rushing yards in 2012 Hall of Fame, his philanthropic issues as well. He has incredible stories to tell. We caught up with him as he was uh, opening a field in in, uh, Pittsburgh with a philanthropist and Group 1001 uh, CEO Dan Towers and Mayor Peduto as well in Pittsburgh. And when you think about what Pittsburgh has gone through in the last few uh, weeks and months, the idea of Curtis Martin bringing a field back to his Homewood neighborhood rekindles the Christmas spirit as well. When you listen to Curtis Martin, it's way beyond 
off-field issues. It's way beyond business. It's also about philanthropy. Hall of Famer Curtis Martin. Ricardo, absolutely honored to be joined by Hall of Fame football player and Hall of Fame philanthropist Curtis Martin. City Hall announcing the new field that he's aligned with Dan Towers Group 1001 and the Ripken Foundation to do in his hometown. Curtis, thank you very much uh, for being here. Really, really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Well, we took a tour of your home area of Homewood, and we are amazed at the changes that this field will help develop, but also describe what it was like growing up in that neighborhood and, uh, and uh, you know, being Curtis Martin growing up in Homewood. Well, um, look, I, I don't think my experience was any different than anyone else growing up there. Uh, I, I think we've all had to deal with a certain amount of violence that uh, is somewhat known uh, in that area. Uh, just to give a little background, uh, my grandmother, who was like my mother, who lived in that area, we found her murdered uh, with a knife in her chest and eyes wide open and a broken neck and everything. When you were old? Nine years old. Uh, since then, I probably had uh, 35 to 40 friends or family members that have not just died, but have been murdered. Um, last year, I was there, and I was visiting this house uh, of a family that I used to stay at a lot when I was younger. And I decided that since I had my three and five-year-old girls with me and my wife, that I would take them by the field to show them where daddy used to play football when he was younger. Uh, we rode up there, I ended up getting out of the car, shaking some hands, uh, signed a couple of autographs, had good conversation with a few people, stayed for maybe 10, 15 minutes. When I left, I got a text that said a little girl had just got shot in the head and shot in the foot. And the one thing that struck me was that it's been like this since I was a kid, and which is almost four decades ago. And I just wanted to start the process of bringing some type of safety to that environment so that kids could go out there and play a game of football and not have to worry about returning home safe. Well, and your mom had a lot to do with where you are today, clearly. Yes. She encouraged you to play football, even though you may not have been that excited about playing football early on. Tell that story. Well, I, I didn't want to play football. Mm -hmm. um, the head coach, who was also the gym teacher at the school I went to, Taylor Alderdice, had asked me to play every year. And I told him, no, nah, I just don't, I don't feel like rolling around in the dirt with other men. You know, that was my <laughs> comment about football. Yeah. Uh, well, at the same time, my childhood best friend, someone mistaken identity, jumped out of the car with a shotgun and shot him in his chest. And he ran about 50 yards and collapsed and died. My mother came to me and said, listen, I'm just grateful that you're alive. You know, my mother's been killed. My sister's been killed. My brother uh, is in jail. If something happens to you, they might as well kill me also. That was her remarks. And she said, I want you to do anything after school just so that you're not in the neighborhood, hanging out in the neighborhood. Football was just the thing that came most natural, so I reluctantly did it. Go to Pitt, injured a lot, yes. still one of nine running backs drafted, eight before you, as I think I understand. Nine so before me. Nine before you. Oh, sorry, or ten. And so you made the decision to leave, obviously, before that college. 
Uh, and Bill Parcells said some interesting things to you as well, so tell that story. Well, from what I understand, the story goes that I was injured so much during my collegiate career that it was highly unlikely that I would ever even play in the NFL. If I did make it to the NFL, the chances of me surviving there were slim to none. Um, well, I think a large part of that was because I didn't take football serious. So it wasn't until my junior year, I believe, that I started really lifting weights. I mean, I was a knucklehead in college, I'll be very honest. And so um, once I got drafted, I remember telling my family members and everyone who was there uh, that I didn't want to play football. And one guy said to me, he said, well, Curtis, maybe football is just a vehicle that's going to help you to do all the good that you want to do in your community and you know, in the country and around the world, possibly. So maybe football is just that vehicle. And it was from that moment on that football took on a different purpose. And it gave me that motivation to work hard, to lift weights, to do everything that I needed to do to be successful in the field. You also realize that your uh, admonition against rolling around with other guys in the dirt is only relevant if they could catch you. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of, one of the things that I realized is that I always had an ability to uh, escape with my feet. You know, yeah. Now, in the hood, I was escaping from different things, which made football seem kind of easy for me. And, and uh, you know, again, if you would take the purpose that football served for me, I think I would have walked away from the game that very moment. So, because I didn't, the, the, the fame, the fortune, and all that, it, it didn't mean enough for me for me to put my all into the game. But as a platform, it meant a lot to put your all in. Yes. So now you take the platform to New England, and you do what you need to do, which is star. But you're known as someone with the Patriots who would do anything to empower kids and to do the right thing. Story is that you would show up at kids' birthday parties and on and on. Why was that so important to you? You had to um, excel as a professional, but you also had to give back. Was there a balance? Um, yes, I, I definitely think there's a balance because you can't do everything that someone requests for you to do. But for me, I try to treat every fan, every person that I interact with as though they're the only person that matters for that moment. And a little boy came up to me after one of the practices my rookie year. He said, hey, Curtis Martin, can you sign this? And I signed it. He said, by the way, I have an invitation to my birthday party that's next week or so. And I'd love for you to come and I want to invite you. And he gives me the invitation. And I looked at him and I said, well, you know what, buddy? If I can make it, I'll be there. And uh, the week came around, and I was just like, you know what? I'm actually free. And I gave that little guy my word, so let me go. And I went, and it was just a big blast for them. You've actually, over the last hour or two, actually really even been nice to me, which I find hard to believe. <laughs> and it may be an incredible lapse of judgment, but that's, that's your fault. Well, well, you, you know... Uh, I'm just trying to take it easy. Right <laughs> <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. But it's early in our relationship. I can guarantee you that. So here's the question. 14,101 rushing yards, 3,329 receiving yards, five Pro Bowls, and obviously the Hall of Fame in 2012. But the Bart Star Man of the Year and the Ed Block Courage Award 2001, those latter awards probably mean uh, as much, if not more, to you than the numbers. Yes, yes. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, what they all mean to me, yeah. including the Hall of Fame, including going to the Super Bowl, all of those things, what they all mean to me is that doing what I really enjoy 
enjoy doing. What really makes my heart sing is impacting people's lives in a positive way. So for me, every yard that I gained, every touchdown I scored, that just opened up another door for me to reach another person. And so for me, all of that stuff is, I won't say proof because I already know it, but it shows how adamant I was about using football as a vehicle to serve what I believe is a bigger purpose. So let's talk about those platforms. Curtis Martin Job Foundation, talk about it. The Joe Foundation, um, it was formed because I grew up with a single parent mother who struggled to just keep clothes on my back and food on the table. Uh, you know, I tell a story about when I was seven years old, you know, I had six and seven years old, I had to stay in the house by myself till nine or 10 o'clock at night because we couldn't afford a babysitter. And so what I started doing was I would come home from school and on my way home, I would carry groceries or I would knock on someone's door and ask could I shovel their snow or rake their leaves. And by the time I got home, I had, you know, three or $4 and I would use that to pay my babysitter. And um, so I wanted to start something that could help single parent mothers. And that was how the Job Foundation started. Job Foundation, really important, continuing and ongoing. Surgicor, talk about that. Surgicor is another group that was supported by Job Foundation. And what they do is they go to third world countries and they do surgeries for free. I mean, they'll stay there for two days and do, you know, 60 some surgeries and maybe even more. But some of the photos and some of the lives that are being changed through Surgicor is just amazing. I actually even, you know, I had partnered with Mayor Bloomberg in 2006 uh, for homelessness in New York City. Um, uh, so we, we do a, a variety of things. I've funded my foundation by myself. Every check that I've ever received from the time I was a rookie, I put 12 to 15% into this foundation. Now I do 20 to 25%. My goal is to live off of half of what I make and give the other half to Jerry. So the other piece that we're here for today is the announcement of the field in your growing up community with Dan Towers, the CEO of Group 1001, yes. and the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that and how you feel about that. Well, what's interesting, and, and I'm very grateful to these guys because, you know, um, there were times when I wanted to do things before I got into the NFL where, you know, these, these are desires, just like, wow, I wish I could change this or I wish I could help in this situation. Well, now, like I said, through using football as a platform, I was able to get on the phone with Dan and say, Dan, listen, I, I was just here. This little girl got shot. I have to do something about it. You know, um, can we work on this together? Dan said, sure, Curtis, let me make some calls. And we all got together and here we are right now um, in the process of getting ready to build a new field there. And look, it's not the answer to everything, but for me, I just wanted to start doing something. I don't like to keep talking about things and not doing anything, so this is just a start. Uh, Charles Barkley and others say they're not role models. We know that's not necessarily the case, but your foundation is a little bit different because a lot of guys will take money, pay a foundation administrator, take a piece, then find out what worthy causes might look good. Now, you're in the opposite direction. Yeah, well, for me, it's really important to keep my nose to the ground so I can understand what's going on. And I want to be a part of that change. I, I want to put my money where my mouth is. I, I want to be interacting. I want to interact with the people. Um, um, I don't want to just blindly give money to people who I don't know if it's going to the places that it needs to, needs to go to. So this way, 
um, I know that things are getting done and um, going in the right places. You're 45 right now. What are you doing with the final two-thirds of your life? Uh, more of what I've been doing. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm doing really well. I'm one of the fortunate ones who was able to retire and have a great post-business career. And so, as I said now, my goal in life is to, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to serve people and help people uh, in any way that I can. And I, I think being able to use my influence, my resources, my relationships, as well as the finances that I've been able to uh, you know, gain over a number of years, um, these are all the different components you need to help impact lives. And I'll do that for the rest of my life. And you're watching football on a regular basis, I'm sure. You have access to all the NFL guys, owners, and others. Uh, give me your top-line perspective. Is football, is the NFL moving in the right direction? If you had a magic wand, what would you change? Would you kind of be happy with where we are? Or uh, would you inspire some changes in certain areas? Well, the one area, um, I think the NFL has done great as a business. Uh, the one area that I would like to see some improvement on is the uh, relationships between the union, the league, the players and the owners, however you phrase it, but that relationship. Because in the future, I believe that there needs to be a partnership. And without a partnership, you know, it concerns me about the direction of the game because I think we all need to work together to utilize this stage that we all have to do a whole lot of good. And I don't want us to diminish all that we can do do through the game of football. I think football has been good to all of us who have played the game, and I think we've been good to the game. Uh, but I think there needs to be a collective effort going forward to really make a difference in the world. And football is the stage that can do that. And then finally, related to that, you've said a few times that football has, in large part, saved your life. What is it about the power of sports that would and will inspire people to do great by doing good? Yeah, uh, well, again, I think the power of sports is that people love sports. And the NFL is the most watched sport in the world other than worldwide soccer, you know. Um, and so, you know, I've spoken to a lot of the guys. I mean, I've spoken to Roger Goodell, and I know that he really wants to do a lot in communities. I know that they really want to use football as a vehicle also. Um, and I really just want to see this continue to grow. And, and I, the reason why I think the partnership is important is because I think that's the only way that it will grow. One of the other things that's really important, other, other than it being a huge platform for all of us who are involved in this game, whether you're an executive or a player, I think that football can be more than just a huge stage. I think football can be an element of change. Uh, not just in communities, but in the lives of the players. I know for me, football was almost like a second parent. It taught me a lot of things that my parents couldn't teach me or didn't even know to teach me. It taught me how to be disciplined. It taught me how to work hard. It taught me how to stay focused. It taught me how to care about my teammates and care about others. There are a lot of life lessons that are very valuable to every man that steps out on that field. And I believe that the NFL, like I say, it goes beyond uh, 
the stage that it is, and it's the impact that it can have on the individuals, and hopefully that impact can be expressed uh, in the community and in the country. Curtis Martin, as good as it gets. So Curtis Martin wins the Bart Star Man of the Year Award in 2006, the Ed Block Courage Award in 2001. But like we said, so much more than that. It just was an honor to spend some time with him with this field development process in Pittsburgh. What's your takeaway of this interview, uh, Amy? Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. He, he has lived a tremendous life, of course. And I think the, the philanthropy that he is engaged with um, – it speaks for itself. I, I you know, I, 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 I was really blown away by that. I, I know it was a very small part of the interview, but something that uh, was in the back of my mind when I was listening to it was uh, this controversy this week with Eric Reed. He was tweeting out that he received his seventh, as he put it, quote unquote, random drug test. And in their interview um, with Curtis Martin, he was talking a little bit about how he still sees there being a gap between players in the league, uh, the union and the league, players in the franchises. And um, I, I couldn't help but think that maybe even though um, some of the protests aren't really happening on camera, that uh, maybe he's on to something that maybe behind the scenes that distrust is still is still there. Is that the sense that you get? Or do you think that the NFL is more or less kind of um, smooth things over with players? Well, they never smoothed it over with players because there's always been a personality uh, rift, but uh, Roger Goodell uh, uses, and I mean it in a positive way, statesmen like Curtis Martin to uh, understand that the business is really important. And, and, you know, there's a lot of discussion about some of these issues, medical care, health care benefits that Curtis Martin has a personal feeling about. And when you accept the fact that the NFL is now, as we said earlier, a $16 billion annual business, you don't want to get to the point where the players and the owners can't get along. And Curtis Martin is one of those people who really can make a difference as things are resolved down the road. The other issue you mentioned is philanthropy. Talk a bit about that. Yeah, I again, I was I was really blown away by some of the projects he's spoken about. One thing that was uh staggering to me was at one point he said, you know, my goal is that I'm going to live off half of my income and I'm going to give the other half to helping other people. And uh, as you pointed out, I think in the interview at one point, you said it was sort of tremendous how involved he is in the day to day management of of his um uh, of his charitable efforts. He doesn't just hand this stuff off to some foundation manager. He's He's really on the on the ground. And I was wondering, as more and more players have shorter careers and they're maybe looking toward life after the league in ways that players in the past haven't, do you think we're going to start seeing players who are a little bit more involved, um, again, with the day-to-day work of charity? Well, very clearly, players will have the means because the average salaries are growing to four and five million dollars, albeit for a short period of time. But you got to have the commitment and you've got to have the intensity. So I will tell you this, having worked with a lot of these guys, you know, Cal Ripkins completed 80 fields or so. His foundation, Dan Towers, has become uh, someone who I know has staked a lot of future fields. I've never seen a partnership work as dynamic as this one where Curtis Martin, the Ripken Foundation, Dan Towers together open the development of this field in Pittsburgh. And it's not just the way Curtis Martin gives back to his hometown, but it's also about how he feels 
about really, really making a difference. So to your point, more and more people will have the means to do it. It's really a question of whether they will have the desire and follow in the footsteps of a giant like Curtis Martin to have this all work. Very important around the holidays. Obviously, football, important philanthropy, maybe even more so. Ricaro, Amy Tenery, see you next time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer, Alex Cohen, associate producer, Freddie Joyner, assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer, and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.